Welcome to Bonehead. You may notice that we're missing one. Mm-hmm. Missing's a uh-huh. strong word. And to you listen to the podcast listeners, I am now doing air quotes. Missing. So James isn't here with us. Why isn't James here with us? Uh, the flare-up of the... <laughs> <laughs> His jerk rotted yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. And somehow oh. it magically flared back up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how. Does his jerk grow back? Is James a lizard? <laughs> we are we are slowly being overrun by the reptilians, if you haven't heard any of the latest conspiracies. No, I didn't know that. Nice to know you, Alex Jones. <laughs> Is it really? Was that an Alex Jones? I'm pretty sure it was an InfoWars. Oh, one of the, but I'm, I could be wrong. I don't actually listen to InfoWars because I, I have better things to do with my life. Yeah, but I could do a whole commentary on whether they should or shouldn't take him off. Yeah, I know. But that's, we don't do that show. Yeah, that's we not, don't do that's that show. That's not this show. No, no, no. That would be a show that people would watch and tune into. I know. So let's keep on with this horse shit. All right, on this episode, we've got a special treat for you all, and it was a really special treat for us. We're going to do this whole episode, and it's dedicated to Fangoria. Now, we had Chris Alexander, who was one of the, who was probably legitimately the last editor for for the run of Fango. But this episode, we have a special guest star, and it's Tony Timpone, Anthony Timpone. He is the longest-running editor of Fango history. Yes. He set through most, almost all the 80s and most of the 90s up until the 2000s. So it, it was a treat to have him on because I am a huge fan of Fangoria, as we've brought up on this show many times before for our listeners and watchers out there. Fangoria shaped me as a child because... I was a teenager growing up in southeastern Kentucky, and there was nowhere for me to really get access to this other than the big-ass sellout dish outside. Thank God I have one of those. And No I, no <laughs> toilet, no running water, no sinks, just holes in the ground, but he had a satellite, satellite dish. That's not true, but good. let's go with that. Yeah. yeah it, it paints a better picture. And plenty of cousins. Well, one has to procreate. <laughs> so... Anyway, back to it. I found Fangoria, the first issue of Fangoria, which I wish I'd, I'd actually pulled out now that we've started this episode I ever bought, was the From Dust Till Dawn one. And I saw it on a newsstand, and I picked it up at a Rite Aid, I believe. And I started flipping through it, and how that ended up in a Rite Aid in Eastern Kentucky is beyond I, me. I have no idea. I, I'm assuming somebody checked the wrong box, yes. right? And I started flipping through it, and I thought, this is amazing. My God, this is supposed to be Fancy Cat Magazine. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> Yeah, oh, that old hooker and all her cats <laughs> yeah. sitting there reading about all the blood and fango. Where's the cats? Where's the cats? But it's funny she got the cat people one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving right along. So I got Fangoria, and it mentioned Sam Raimi two or three times. It talked about Quentin Tarantino, and this was right around 95. I would have been 30. old. 30. 17, <laughs> 16, 17, and it was just, it just opened my eyes and ears, and because Fango, the great thing about Fangoria was that it talked to the people who made the movies. Not, I would say, similar to us in the sense of, we do that, I mean, of course, Fangoria did it on a, on a grand scale, on a Tony, level. and Tony Tampone's going to talk about all the access that they had, because before, believe it or not, there didn't used to be podcasts or YouTube shows and all those other things, there was... Fan, fan magazines. There Fanzines. were fan magazines, and we could trace this back. We probably will eventually do an episode about fan magazines, and we could go back to do Famous Monsters of Filmland. Yeah, we could do Starlog. All that stuff. We may do a whole episode on that, but right now we're going to concentrate on Fango. Where was I going with that? 
I have no idea. Hopefully Haley can cut that part out right there. Did, did you uh, did you start thinking about that feisty chipmunk that you saw outside on your tree out there? <laughs> you mean the one wearing the sexy, sexy pink yeah. outfit? Holding those Do nuts. Do not talk about Gidget that way. <laughs> Holding all those nuts. Anyway, so. And Gidget was a mouse, by the way. <laughs> Shut up. Just pointing that out. For a little history of Fangoria, this is the first Fangoria. Now, who is this on the front of it, Chad? Godzilla! Gojira, right? Godzilla. Gojira was on this. 25 years of Godzilla. And then Dawn of the Dead, there was, who's that? Doctor what? Doctor, uh, uh-huh. Huh? Doctor Rui? Doctor who invades the <laughs> Hold US. on. Now, this came out in, was it 78 or 79? Let's take a look for our listeners on listening Joe to us right now. Joe is taking his magazine out of the sleeve and, oh my God, it's depreciated in value. That's true. So this is the premiere issue that does not have an effing date on it. That would have been helpful. August 79. So this came out in August 79. They used to have these cool posters in the kids would rip out. Uh, if you're watching right now, you can see it. It was in the middle of it. So when you collect Fangoria's, as I have, it's hard to find them with the posters still in them sometimes. Except for nerds like me who's like, Oh my God, don't take it out. It's going to ruin it. <laughs> so... Right now, we are in the year of our Lord, what? 2040. 2018. Thank you so much, Chad. You have missed a few years. Your daughters are grown. They're pregnant with twinsies, and they hate you. Continue. <laughs> because you were not there for them. Because you were somewhere else for the last half the world years. populated by those weird rat mutants that you spawned on. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> With Mitzi and their nuts. <laughs> Mitzi's funnier than than Gidget. Anyway, <laughs> so this is nineteen seventy nine. We're now in twenty thousand eighteen. Two thousand and eighteen. <laughs> Here's what's on the magazine. Twenty five years of Godzilla, Dawn of the Dead. We never talk about that anymore. Nope. Go Godzilla, totally out. They never made any more of those movies. Right. That's no longer prevalent. Doctor Who invades the US. Oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> He invaded the hell out of it. Yeah, not that. He got right up in the U.S., especially in the 2000s, right? Then we have Galactica's Lost Aliens. Now, what would Galactica be? That would be of a Battlestar variety. Ready. That went nowhere, right? No, yeah. Interviewing Christopher Lee, never heard of him. Making of the Creature from Black Lagoon, we totally forgot about that picture. Best Universal Monster. Uh-huh. And a photo preview of a movie coming out called... Um, alien, uh, <laughs> alien. Damn, hooked on phonics. Over there on the other wall is a star log behind us with alien on it. But this is our Fangoria episode. I find it fascinating that we're talking about thirty-nine years later. Yeah, so we're watching the same shit. Yeah, <laughs> new stuff. But we're watching the same shit. Three quarters of this stuff is still just as relevant. We've got a new Godzilla coming out next year. Doctor Who is more popular now than it was than it. ever before in history. In the U.S., it's more popular now than it was ever. I would say that it's more popular probably even in Britain. I know it was popular in Britain. It was huge, but I don't live in Britain. But right. I can't imagine that it's less popular. Right. Can you? Uh, Doctor Who... Alien. Alien never went away. We just got a new Alien movie last year. I know, and we're... Well, I don't know. Are we getting another one? Uh -huh, I don't know. <laughs> I love it, but God, I wish they'd stop. So, this isn't completely dedicated to horror. There was some a little bit of horror in it, but this was not a huge magazine. Here is number four, and I'm going to hold up number four. 
Who's on the front of that? That would be Leonard Nimoy. As? Singer of the Hobbit song. Yeah, that's one thing he did. <laughs> oh my God, it's the guy that directed Funny About Love. <laughs> Spock and the new aliens of Star Trek. Which is true, but why the hell yeah, would you pick know. that one out? <laughs> I just wanted to be obscure. Oh, he was the guy that was in Mission Impossible. The show. Oh yeah. That's true. <laughs> anyway... So, Spock and the new and aliens. It's amazing that Donald Trump is actually on the cover of this magazine. <laughs> Shut up. That's the vampire from Salem's Lot. Yeah. Now, next next one we've got is six. Now, there's a little bit of horror, but what's on the front of number six? That would be um, uh, the, the robots from um, Buck Rogers. Haley, you're behind <laughs> the camera, correct? You're yes. recording all this. Can our audience hear you? Who is on the cover of number six, Fango? C-3PO and R2-D2. That's right. From now, Buck why, Rogers. Why would they put them on there? Because The Empire Strikes Back was just being released, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's getting there. It's getting close. Because it sold magazines. It's the reason Freddy Krueger was on it 5,000 times in the 80s. Right. So, what I'm trying to show to you is that Fangoria wasn't always necessarily dedicated to horror. Right. That's where it found its niche. Now, there were several different covers I could have found. I love the thing. I love, there's a great one with Return of the Living Dead. I could name a hundred. Fangoria should be known for some of the greatest covers of all time. Some of them absolutely disgusting. I don't know how they got away with it. Yeah, I was going to say, because even with the one you're getting ready to show, with the thing, the picture from the thing. With well, the you head, just ruined it. With the head um, crawling across the floor. I, back then, I'm surprised that that even got <laughs> it onto the, the shelves. So, but I had to pick, maybe not the best cover, but one of my favorite, because it's one of my favorite movies of all time, is John Carpenter's The Thing. And it's an introspective of Rob, Rob Bottin and the effects of The Thing. It doesn't say anything about John Carpenter. Nope. It doesn't say, let's interview Kurt Russell. So that was one of the cool things about Fangoria, is they actually went and talked to, much like our show, they sought out the people behind the scenes who actually made the movies what they were. Right. And I, I just latched onto it like a lot of people did. Now, though, I do want to kind of read what the Monsters versus Wrestlers article is about. Well, you can. You can take it out and read it. You want to do I that while the rest of us yeah, do the yeah, show? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to do it while. Here, go, Norberg. Go put it together. Put this puzzle together. Ghost James Wang. <laughs> oh, James Wang. This is one of the last two that came out before it went out. I think the last one that actually didn't make it to print. And there's a few copies, editor copies. We talked about that with Chris Alexander. Yeah. Uh, it was the monkey monstrosity from uh, Victor Frankenstein. Bless that cover from a few years ago. This would be Elvira. It's a great cover. And probably one of the best shows that made it three seasons that should have went on longer, but I don't know how it made it three seasons. It may still come back. There's Hannibal. Talk. I know. I loved Hannibal. Hannibal was great. Look, the covers are great. They're yep. amazing. They're vivid. They look wonderful. And if you're into it, it was the best magazine or one of the best magazines, not just for horror, but for people who were in how movies were made. Yeah, a lot of people would like tune in to like, they would buy Entertainment Weekly, but Entertainment Weekly, Entertainment Weekly was most, most, still is fluff. There's not really anything in depth about the actual movies. It's, hey, this movie's coming out. Here's an interview with this actor, big name. But Fangoria would actually go in and, A, they would cover the obscure. 
Absolutely. Um, one of my fondest memories of Fangoria was <clears throat> Joe would, uh, me and Joe, like I said, we went to college together. We did? Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, no, I remember kidding. the times when you used to let me lay in your hands and you'd do my hair, whisper sweet nothings into my ear. Yeah, and slowly shave you. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> but once again, Haley's giving us a horrified look. But no, there was a. Um, he didn't slowly do it. Um, the other thing about Fangoria too it was is in my face. you would see whole articles about movies that they would cover, and then you probably would never see that movie. <laughs> yeah, one, one of one of one of my fondest memories of Fangoria was there was a movie with Warwick Davis where he was the lead. It was kind of a it was kind of a rip off of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Massacre. I'm Massacre? sorry. Massacre. Sorry. Homage <laughs> of a uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, where. He was just part of this weird family of uh, mutants who were killing people. And um, I was fascinated. I wanted to see this movie, and it never came out. And even on his IMD page, it's not even listed on his IMDb page, but you have a magazine over there with proof that it was shot. Um, but that's one of the main reasons I love Fangoria, is I would always open it up and find some movie that I'd never heard of that they, they officially made me excited to go try to find. Another great thing, and we've talked about it in other episodes, was they would do the fear, fear film forecast. So it'd be movies that were coming up, and uh, and one of the best things if you could, and if you come into my house, I'll let you look through them, uh, mm -hmm. have a couple of drinks, and we'll go through specifically in the '80s and '90s and look at all the movies that were supposed to happen that never actually happened. Right. There's two. All right. Here is okay. Friday the Thirteenth. That was supposed to come out May the Thirteenth, twenty sixteen. The new one. Huh. Did we get that? We didn't get that. No. We didn't get that one, did we? No. And The Conjuring 2 was supposed to be in the infield poltergeist. Is that what that was about? Yes. Okay, cool. I couldn't remember. Well, what? The Conjuring was actually an amalgamation of several different movies. Well, part uh, two. That, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to find another one if it made it or not. No, okay. So, it was a lot of fun to look through those. I, 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 I have... During my late twenties, early thirties, when I had a little bit more disposable income, I would, I started going back and getting all the ones I missed. I missed some through college for obvious reasons because I was interested in other things and didn't have as much money. And yeah, your uh, your uh, collection of uh, Furbies was fascinating. It was. It was. You would just have, be uh, walking. If only we could cut to an outtake right now with me covered in Furbies. Yeah. <laughs> so. He gobbled that that's not a bad Furby. No, no, thank you. Well, that's pretty good. You must have hung around a lot of Furbies. I, I, know you, I know you go to a lot of furry conventions. I was the governor of Furby Town. There's <laughs> 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 so many inappropriate jokes. Back to what I was saying. I actually went back and now I have the complete. It goes from one all the way to the last mass published Fangoria. Now let me ask you a question personally. Why did you do that? I mean was it just to do something or was there a reason you wanted every single Fangoria? Why do people climb mountains? Why do I'm not actually being Why do birds suddenly appear every time you are near just like me they want to be Is it close to you? Yeah, I don't know. Answer the question. I love Fangoria. I wanted to have them all and I had probably a little bit extra shekels and i thought that was what i should spend it on instead of having a nice new ride 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and what's funny is Chad and I had this conversation. I don't know if he remembers. I remember finishing it because I, I passed up the opportunity to buy somebody's complete collection, but I was like, oh, I already own half of them. By the time I bought singles and lots, it would have been so much cheaper for me to have bought that whole collection yep. and just sold off the ones I didn't want. Right. I still have a box this long of doubles and triples of things because to get one... I would sometimes buy a lot of five yeah, because it was just as cheap, and why not? Right, right. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're going to do heroin, <laughs> do heroin. Yeah. Haley, if, you, if you've taught me anything, is if you're going to do heroin, say it, Haley. Do heroin. There we go. I'm glad you finally learned. I am. I'm glad you finally taught me. Padawan. <laughs> you're next. I. <laughs> what is? What are you going to teach him? Is it heroin too? Yeah, probably should keep all the boneheads. On I'll the same be stuff. I'll be damned if y'all ever make me give up PCP. So anyway, I'd love to this, talk this car. <laughs> uh, I'd love to talk to you about Fangoria if you're ever interested in it. By all means, email us if you have questions. If there's a certain episode or a certain uh, issue you're missing, let us know. Or if you'd ever want to talk about it, if you want some comments. I mean, is there for for you being an avid reader of Fangoria? And I being, was. I'm not uh, anymore. Being as in love as you are of it, is there a particular like article that stuck out to you that you loved more than any? Like, was there one that just? That's a good question. That you have a fond memory. I can't of? think of anything off the. Because sadly, of... the only fond memory I have of Fangoria is that Warwick Davis article. Because <laughs> I'm. I a... just remember hundreds. Uh, I, there's a good one with Tarantino about the From Dust Till Dawn. I just there's there's so many I can't really I couldn't tell you one that just sticks out. I really think of covers and all the movies. Oh, you know who who was in it a lot who didn't get certain movies made is Romero. I know yeah. we've talked about it before. Yeah, Romero. Romero, the Del Toro of his day. I was getting ready to say, yeah, the Del Toro of the '80s. Yeah, the Del Toro of the '80s is a good way to put it. And I just so many. I love looking. I I wouldn't say articles. I would say one of my favorite things is looking back and thinking what could have been. Mick Garris almost did a mummy. Romero almost did a mummy. Yeah, yeah. And then when Stephen Summers did a mummy. Oh. And then who did the last one with Tom Cruise? Oh God, that one guy. I forgot. Right, he's a writer. He's a screenwriter. Yeah. He made that Winner's, the Winner movie. What's it called? The Winner Story. You ever seen it? No. Nope. Oh, don't go. Don't. Don't bother. Don't bother. I mean, it's not terrible, but it's not any good. <laughs> but anyway, we're getting way off topic. Yeah. So I want to wrap this up because we got a cool interview with Tony Timpone. So James was there for that one. Yeah. Chad couldn't make it. Nope. So this episode's kind of weird. So take it away, Tony Timpone. Thank you so much for doing this interview. It meant the world to us. So let's go ahead and get started. So how did you, where did you, where are you from, and how did you get started in journalism? Um, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Um, I started uh, writing for a various uh, horror and science fiction magazines while I was in college at NYU. Uh, interviewing people from Star Trek and Star Wars and Tom Savini. This is like the, the early 1980s. Right. And uh, so I was networking, you know, still in college, writing, getting published by, you know, people like Barstay Ackerman and Dave McDonald and Starlog. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, it was always my uh, dream to, to write for Bangoria. And then when I graduated uh, college, um, a position opened up at Fangoria and, and our sister uh, magazine Starlog 
and uh, yeah, went right to work. I, I you know, I, I achieved my my goal of uh, breaking into Fangoria right out of college. It was a dream come true. Can I stop you there and call you a lucky bastard? And, uh, <laughs> what's that? I said, can I stop you there and call you a lucky bastard? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you sure can. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's been, uh, you know, a, a, an embarrassment of riches ever since. Well, that's, it's, it's interesting. Where, where did your, so uh, we're always interested in how people actually caught the bug. Of how you caught not only not necessarily the movie bug for you, but the horror bug. Where did you catch that at? Where did you? Was it sometime in childhood? Was it a movie, a book, a TV yeah, show? You know, I grew up. I grew up uh, reading comic books and famous monsters of filmland. Uncle Forey, yeah. Driving and seeing uh, Hammer movies and American International Pictures, and um, you know, from a very young age, and I just was always attracted to the horror, science fiction, fantasy. Um, yeah, I, I didn't play hockey or football. I, I did play baseball and football and ran track, but most of the time, you know, I'd rather be in a movie theater than than on a sports field. And I go to conventions, and you know, I just uh, enjoying it. I just had a passion for it. You know, watching the old Universal horror movies as a kid, and King Kong, seeing Hammer movies in theaters growing up. You know, right. So it's just part of my DNA. Was there a particular person that introduced you to it? Did you have a mother or a father or, or a family member uh, who was into that? Not really. No, not, not really. I, um, you know, my, uh, luckily my parents never took me to Disney movies because we that much. So we, they did tend to, you know, see, you know, we'd go see films in, in the genre, I, I suppose. Right. Um, but they weren't, they weren't horror fans by, by any means. But, um, yeah, but they, they, you know, like I said, they never took me to the sound of the music. But they never took me to the sound <laughs> of the music. They took me to Dracula Has Risen from the Grave. So, uh, <laughs> um, yes. maybe they thought those were kids' movies. I don't know, but I'm glad they did. <laughs> no, I have a similar story too. My mother introduced me to The Exorcist at 11 when she and my father were uh, getting a divorce. And I think she thought that was a good age for that. I don't know that she's right, but it it, it scarred me in the best possible way. So I totally understand. We're, um, so you started at Fango. That was the one movie my, that was the one movie my parents wouldn't let me go with them. That was the only one. You know, they let, they let me go see uh, The Godfather Part Two. The Omen, and, um, you know, Scream and Scream Again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, To remind our audience, back in the day, you didn't necessarily, if you didn't catch it when it was a first run, you may never see it again unless it was on a Saturday matinee or a late night thing on your on your local television. You know, it, it's not like DVD and video existed at that time. Yeah, well, a lot of the big movies, you know, like Jaws and The Exorcist yeah. and, you know, Star Wars, you know, they were re-released every few years. So, you know, that, that was the great thing. This is before cable and stuff. Right. So. If you missed it the first go around, you know, chances are you waited a few years, you could see it again in a major re release, too, not just, you know, a revival house. Right, you absolutely. Know, like those films, they would just keep putting them out, but, you know, uh, time and time again. Yeah. So you started at Fango. 
What what was one of your biggest challenges? What do you think you either your biggest challenge or what do you think you brought to Fangoria that it was missing? Because you started in 1985, correct? Yes, I would say my biggest challenge was following in the brilliant footsteps of Bob Martin yeah. and David Everett. You know, I really looked up to those guys. I thought that you know, you know, great sense of humor. They were very, you know, Hunter S. Thompson esque in the way they, you know, uh, ran uh, in their writing and, and the whole vibe of the magazine it was very underground. You know, and, and and of course, I wanted to keep a lot of that. Um, but also, I needed to increase Fangoria's readership because, you know, there were times uh, before I started uh, where the, the, they were close to, uh, you know, canceling Fangoria if it wasn't selling. Right. And this was in the early 80s. You know, back then, there wasn't the, the horror boom that we have now. That, you know, horror wasn't quite as popular. Now it's an embarrassment of riches. Every weekend, a new horror film comes out with very and horror TV shows and movies and Netflix and, uh, you know, Shudder. It's just unbelievable how much horror is at our fingertips. But back in, uh, you know, Fango's early days, it was, uh, you know, it was very underground. Uh, you know, big studios would maybe release, you know, a handful of horror films a year. Now, again, it's like every weekend there's a new horror film dropping, you know. It's, it's just amazing. It's just so much content to choose from. It's, it's a very exciting time to be a horror fan. So, so anyway, um, the Fangoria, like I said, was you know the, it was the sales weren't that good. So, um, uh, and then uh, you know, a character named Freddy Krueger came along, and it became this big sensation. We really celebrated Freddy in the magazine, and we go every time we put Freddy Krueger on the cover, our sales went through the roof. And then, and then the studio started getting into horror again, and um, you know all the slasher icons were coming in and out of fashion, and right. um, and, and everybody was doing horror. So uh, um, we had to, uh, you know, back you know, in those early days, there wasn't as much studio horror. So, so I knew I had to embrace, you know, horror in all its forms, you know, right. budget, low budget, to to attract more readers and. And, uh, you know, I was successful at doing that because, uh, you know, the sales uh, on Fango went through the roof in the 1980s, the late 80s. The sales were incredible. That's why we created Gore Zone and right. Horror Spectacular and Bloody Best of Fangoria, Fangoria Poster Magazine. It, it, you know, the magazine was incredibly popular and became even more popular when, uh, you know, when we were doing our conventions. It was just amazing. It was a great time. So yeah, I, I yeah I wanted to get the magazine also a more professional sheen. Um, it, it still had that underground vibe, but you know I wanted the magazine to look better, be d designed better, make it more uh, even more collectible, and uh, yeah, it took a lot of interest in how you know layouts were done and things like that. And, you know I picked out every single photo that appeared in the magazine, all the cover photos. You know, it was, Fangoria was a visual. A very visual magazine, and I really embraced that. And that, 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 that really wasn't as much as that when I was first starting out. Uh, but you know, I wanted the magazine to be more slicker. Right. You were talking. You talked about several different things. Actually, I wanted to, I wanted to either mention or ask you about because I knew that when Freddie uh, Freddie is not only the house that or not only New Line is the Freddie that house built. I know that I knew that it also built Fangoria to a certain extent. And one of the things I wanted to let you know is that I own every 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 
um, I own every issue of Fangoria, and it took me years. Well, yeah, but I, I, you know, I discovered it like a lot of people in my teenage years. And what I always loved about Fango, I think the first episode or the first issue I ever picked up, I keep saying episode, was that it was an interview with Sam Raimi. And I was a huge Evil Dead fan, and it was one of the few places, and I've heard Tarantino say this about Fango as well, it was one of the few places you could go to, you know, irrespective of whether it was horror, that you were actually talking to the people behind the scenes, you know, directors, writers, production people. Does that make sense? Special makeup effects, uh, Dick Smith, Tom Savini. uh, I could just keep going on and on, and that was one of the things I loved about Fango was that I always knew that I could read about the people that I admired and wanted to aspire to be. Yeah, no, no, you know, nobody turned, of course, nobody turned it down because we were a way of reaching their audience. So, right. Um, everybody, you know, came to Pangoria to be interviewed, you know, from Quentin Tarantino, Sam Raimi, to you know, Francis Ford Coppola. Right. Uh, you know, it, you know this, we were our audience in a cover story was very important to them and uh, you know they really uh, they, they really pursued us yeah, you know it was a very exciting time you know well, and, uh, and as horror became even more popular you know sometimes it'd be a challenge in, in the early days to find something to put on the a cover of Fangoria but then as horror became more and more popular you know we'd have three four and five choices oh what are we going to put on the cover this month you know right uh, yeah no and and yeah. I- well, that leads me to my next question. Uh, I'd love I could talk to you an hour about the the about the uh, about the Gonzo journalism uh, that was going on and some of the great stories you could have probably tell me about in the office if that's what you're saying. Uh, that that being said, I'd like to ask about your who was maybe one of your favorite people to interview or have met or maybe your craziest story with either an actor, director, someone who was just off the walls, but it was amazing. Tough question, I know. Craziest person I have. Well, I, I, or not crazy, but maybe one of the most fun, one of the best. One of the best? Um, well, uh, yeah, it was a real, uh, you know, treat interviewing uh, Christopher Lee. Oh, you know, and, I can imagine. We, you know, sat down with him for three hours in, in London, and, and that was an amazing experience. And one of the most fun times I had interviewing uh, someone with, was the Mel Brooks when we had him on Fangoria oh. Radio? Because you know, I grew up with his movies, and, and he was a you know he was a horror fan too, and he made he produced some great horror movies like The Fly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he was that that was I'd say that was one of that was one of my all time favorite experiences meeting uh, Mel Brooks and and also Christopher Lee. Yeah, you uh, and Vincent Price is another one though I didn't interview Vincent Price. You know, we had him at a convention. Right. He was a childhood hero, so meeting him was great. Did you have a Vincent Price? Yeah. Uh, well, we're sitting here, and if you could see, we do the show in my basement, surrounded by movie memorabilia, and I have a, uh, I have a Blazing Saddles and a Young Frankenstein original one sheets behind me. So, Whoa, that is so cool. Oh, yeah, I'm a huge nerd, yeah, figuratively and literally. But uh, <laughs> talking about Mel Brooks, I suppose this is when Dracula Dead and Loving It was coming out? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, that's what I assumed. So, so... I said that was probably when Dracula Dead and Loving It came out. Is when he was on Fangoria Radio. No, Mel Brooks it was actually for, uh, when Young Frankenstein was on Broadway when he started. Oh really? Oh. He came, in, he came in to promote that, and he was going to stay for just one, you know, fifteen twenty minute session. 
and he wound up staying on for uh, half the show. He was on for like uh, an hour and a half. We, we, you know, he, he was having so much fun. And then I interviewed him another time uh, for, I think it was the 30th anniversary of The Fly. I had a, a, a one-on-one call with him, and, and he was great then, too. Oh, that's that's and, Yeah, I've interviewed Tarantino over the years. Um, he's never refused me, you know, you know he, uh, for an interview, and it was uh, always good to talk to him. And uh, yeah, it's been a great ride. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. I'm really jealous of those three. Mel Brooks, Christopher Lee, and Vincent Price would really be our big three as well. And I I can't imagine. <laughs> I, I yeah. So out of all the out, out of all the issues which one do you think you're most proud of uh, issues of fangoria yeah um some of the anniversary issues like we did a great uh, a great uh, 35th or 30th anniversary uh-huh. i thought that was a great issue fangoria 100 150 200 i'd love yeah i love the, all the big marker issues like that um you know, those were always fun because we always sat down with all our favorite people like Wes Craven and George Romero to get new interviews from them and got celebrities to write articles. And, you know, those were, those were always great issues. I always had a, a lot of fun with them. Right. Yeah. So one of my favorite things was raving and drooling, and I had the chance to meet uh, David Shaw a few years ago. So I was wondering, how did that come about? How did that come about? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll t- yeah, well, um, you know, Starlog used to have, or, or uh, Starlog had a sister magazine called Future, or, uh, which became Future Life, and Harlan Ellison used to write a column for that. And in yeah. Starlog, they had a column written by David Gerald. Uh-huh. And I loved, I loved reading these opinionated pieces from the, you know, these really knowledgeable people. So, you know, when I took over at Fangoria, I decided, yeah, we should get you know, uh, some of the splatter punks writing for the magazine and horror, you know, horror, the horror actors themselves. So, you know, we get Robert Englund to write a, a set diary, Angus Grimm, Kane right. Hunter, Doug Bradley, et cetera, et cetera. And also I wanted to have a regular thing. So I turned to David Scow, who you know, mm-hmm. was a friend of mine, you know, one of the, the splatter punks, and would you like to do a column? And he said yes right away. And, you know, that became, uh, yeah, yeah, a really unique voice for the magazine, and it was always very well written and very funny, and um, always uh, a highlight of every uh, issue was, you know, Dave's column. And then I did the same thing with Gorezone. I wanted to have that very right. columnist heavy, so, you know, I had Chaz Ballin writing the column, and Tim Lucas, uh-huh. uh, Steve Bissett, you know, uh, I always thought it was, uh, you know, get people who have an, a good point of view. Right. Uh, you know, that you couldn't find anywhere else. So, so you, uh, earlier, you said you wrote for Starlog as well when you were in college and yeah. stuff. What was the, what's the, knowing that they were sister magazines and things like that, how was the climate different? What did that look like as far as, because I'm a big science fiction fan and Starlog, when I was younger, was the Bible. Uh, <laughs> Uh-huh. So, so what was that? I mean, as far as was there a, a difference between it, how they were ran, as you transition into running Fangoria? Um, uh, Starlog was, Star was a, a lot more serious than Fangoria, obviously. Um, so, but you know, the guy who uh, edited Starlog when I started was Dave McDonald, who also edited Fangoria for a brief spell. Um, you know, while I was getting my wings as editor. And so, he, you know, he liked horror, too. 
Uh, but Stalag was always a little drier than Fangoria, a, a lot more serious, I, I would say. What Bangor Bangor was, you know, the rude kid in the back of the classroom. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but you know, it's, uh, it was a different time. You know, like you know, I go the way I got my start in the industry was I used to go to horror and science fiction conventions. And, right. Uh, and I would meet, you know, like the first interview I ever did was with Tom Savini. I met him at a convention, uh-huh. and then then I went to a few science fiction conventions, and you know. Uh, um, you know, very Star Trek people were there, like uh, Merritt Buttrick, who played Kirk's son in Star Trek Two and Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I interviewed him. Anthony Daniels, who played C three right. just called it. So it was as simple as time. So all I had to do was call his hotel room and say, "Hey, I'd love to interview you." Sure, <laughs> you know. And, and 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 then I sold that article to um, uh, you know a, a magazine called SF Movie Land. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, you know. So. Uh, you know, like I said, it was a simpler time, and you know, these it, it was very easy to get access to these people. Not like today, where you know, the, the things are a lot more controlled, and um, you don't really have that. Oh, do we know? Really good time. Yeah, and everyone has a podcast, and everyone has an interview. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're just Everybody one of has, you know want, wants you. Yeah, if and you're a celebrity for something. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just like Fangor used to be the only person, uh, only one doing a horror convention. Now there's a, a, a different horror convention every weekend. <laughs> we used to be the only game in town, and now you know there's so much, so many shows. Well, I'm going to divert a little bit from Fangoria and just talk a bit, a little bit about the creation conventions that you used to do, or what the conventions that were done. Actually, I met you in Chicago when I met Romero at that con several, several years ago. Don't worry, I don't expect you and <laughs> to remember. And Toby Hooper was supposed to be that, be there. And I, I bought uh, my wife at the, my wife bought the platinum gold package where I got all the interviews and I had all my Toby Hooper stuff. Poltergeist, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, ready to sign, and he was a no-show. And it's just mm-hmm. one of my uh, yeah, wonderful... I know, I know. It happened as much as, as our show as some of the other shows, but um, yeah. Yeah, Toby was kind of like that, you know. It, it, it is a little flaky that way. Um, <laughs> Oddly yeah, enough... We, had a, we, we got very few cancellations, I'm happy to say. Yeah, and it was a great show, and it was actually one of the, it was the first big con I'd ever been to, and I really had a good time. But oddly enough, we've met people who knew Toby later on, and it it was never a shock to anyone we've ever told that story to. It's a, uh, very very similar with Gary Busey. Gary Busey, yes, yes. So we I've, I, I we both moderate for cons uh, through the Midwest and do a lot of panels, and uh, we we have some stories about that as well. And actually, we have a good Harlan Ellison story we met a few years ago. But we're here about you going back to how did you get started with producing some of the movies in the nineties? Like when we we're talking about Moon Trap and some of the other. Other ones? No, not Moontrap. It was Mind War. I'm sorry. Of the Night Desert Ties. Well, that came about um, when I, we we produced the Fangoria TV commercial uh, yeah. in the late '80s with Angus Grimm and, uh-huh. uh, as the star, and I have put that together. I got Angus to do the commercial. I got permission from Don Coscarelli to let us use the character and the silver, you know, silver spears, et cetera, et cetera. And it was such a great experience making this commercial. Um, uh, publishers, the son, this guy Steve Jacobs, um, and, and some of the other people who worked on the commercial thought, hey, this was such a good experience. Why don't we make some movies? Right. And, um, they they, they um, got involved with a producer named Chris Webster, 
major movies and some movies at New World Pictures. Uh-huh. And uh, everybody put their heads together and they took the, uh, they found three scripts, that, a couple of scripts, that, uh, three scripts they liked. And mm-hmm. they looked in at uh, Co- uh, Columbia TriStar, the, the, video, the video division, and, uh, and they made a deal. They said, yeah, let's do these movies. And, uh, and my part in it was, um, you know, you know, Tony, who do you have in your Rolodex? Who's, who could you be affected to these movies? <laughs> who do you recommend as, a, you know, star, you know, actors, et cetera, et cetera? Who's popular in art? So I was a consultant on all the movies of, of what I'm a set of um, uh, the second one. Uh, no, the third one. I was on the set of that one. They were all filmed in Eagle River, Wisconsin. Really? And, um, uh, and they had some really good cast people in them, like Oliver Reed and Angus Grimm, Bruce uh-huh. Campbell. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're all fun little B-movies, B- you know, they had played on the Sci-Fi Channel for years. Right. And, uh, yeah, it was a good time. Um, guys, I think I'm, I have a, a business call I have to take. Oh, all right, Thank Mr. Tapone, I hope this wasn't as, I hope this wasn't as bad as you thought it would be, and I will message no, you about no, scheduling it again. Fun. It was a lot of fun, and a, a lot of fun look forward to chatting some more. All right, okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's still on. It's still on. Hello, hello. Are you recording? Are we still? Are we still recording? Uh, Haley actually left. There was a the kitty. Mo- There's a the kitty, kitty that started it screaming. Was, it was limping. That I have never sorry. saw a cat before. I wonder uh, if he got without hearing somebody hit it or something. I'll tell you the story. So the cameras are rolling. Well, yeah, I were of- walking. We were walking in and we heard a cat and I thought, oh, it's Pickles. Who is my? I have two cats, Pickles and Ash. And then I thought it was Pickles. It sounded like Pickles. And I said, well, how did she get out? How did she get out? I started checking, checking the bushes. Couldn't find her. If you walked in tonight, you saw cat food out there. Because yeah. I couldn't find the cat. Yeah. And uh, so... And I almost... Uh, my glasses fogged over. I almost kicked over the cat food. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, the yeah we're, just we're just narrating what happened, what happened with the cat. And <laughs> Haley just walked back in. She's back now. Hey, welcome back. Thanks, Tony. That was a great interview. We really appreciate it. We're hoping I'm glad that, I was there to sit through it. <laughs> I uh, answer your question that you asked me earlier about my favorite episode. I will say, or favorite. Why don't you say an episode like no a dumbass? Anyway, about probably my favorite is probably shooting shoot heroin before it. Hey, but it makes me feel so good. <sighs> you know why don't I lose weight on heroin? I I know. I you would think. You would right? think between yeah. that and the eight balls, and you have a somewhat decent teeth too. Go figure. That being said, back to what we were going at. David Show Show wrote raving and drooling through a lot of them, and some of those are great. I actually met him, and he combined all those into a book and signed it for me, and mm-hmm. I, I actually really enjoy some of those. And it was a commentary about the horror industry. If you don't know who he wrote, who he is, he wrote uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. He wrote The Crow, the one with Brandon Lee, the good one, yes, the original one. And he also wrote one of my favorite masters of horror, uh, uh, the uh, uh, Pick Me Up, about the competing serial killers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's he's a wonderful writer. Check it out. He wrote a lot of raving and drooling. Those are some of the things I really would... Yeah. Those are some of my favorite memories because I I enjoyed his commentary on a lot of things. I wish we had more of that as the magazine went on. And I missed when they took out the big poster. I I mean, I never got to use them, and I obviously never took them out, but it was kind of fun, especially if you were a kid. Yeah, when I was a kid, I actually did take the posters out. Well, I didn't really get into it till later, till I knew better. Yeah, yeah. So, and now I would have had to go back and buy those damn things too. <laughs> anyway, so thank you so much, Tony Timpone. That was our Fangoria episode. The cool thing is, is what Fangoria is doing? What 
It's coming back. It's coming back. It's coming back. They keep posting about it. We're going to tag them on Twitter or on our social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, and let them know that we've dedicated a whole episode to Fangoria. Hopefully, it's going to be coming back and better than ever. I'm going to get my subscription in. I want to see them. I want to have them in my hand monthly, or they actually came out a little less than monthly. It was about 10, uh, 10 magazines a year. So I'm excited about it. One last thing. You need to subscribe. You right. need to share this on your social media. All right? We need to get our numbers up. We just did our 50th episode. We were further along than we ever thought we would be, but we want to be even better. It is imperative for us to get subscription up so that we can get more and more guests. Right, Chad? Right. This is the thing that we run into all the time, and I know that people are probably sick of hearing it, and I know if you listen to us or watch us all the time that you're supporting us, and I appreciate it, but share us on your social media, whether that be Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Grinder. I don't give a shit. Wherever we can pick up people to listen or watch, please do that. Right. Especially Grinder. iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, subscribe. Right? Leave comments, rank us. Absolutely. And email us, message us, find us on social media. We don't mind answering questions. We proved that with the 50th episode. Thank right. you so much. This is Bonehead. We're out. It needs uh, a home, and it's. I swear, I am not making up a. Right word now. of this a cat we're doing we're in the middle of the episode a kitten it couldn't be more than four or five months old limping walks up to the door and starts screaming outside the fridge <laughs> door contact with everyone making eye contact yeah like if you watch the video i keep looking to the <laughs> left because I can't because there's a cat outside hand. screaming with a limp did you bring it in no i put food well Haley. well we put food out for it earlier and we don't know whose cat it is I just led it to the food. I actually left during the filming. She went out the door during we were shooting the thing because the cat wouldn't shut up outside.